0: Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture
1: Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. Today, we get to chat with Heidi Lynn Kurter. Heidi is a workplace culture consultant and leadership coach and Heidi Lynn Consulting, LLC, serving startups and small businesses. Heidi's also a senior contributor for Forbes, where she writes about workplace culture and leadership strategy. So get out your notebook or your notes app or whatever you use. I think we're going to learn some things today. Uh, Welcome, Heidi. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, same here. Same here. So (laughs) very cool that you're a senior contributor for Forbes. I'd love to hear about Just kind of how that came about. And then maybe you want to share what you wrote most recently.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So it came about a lot of my friends were pushing me because as I was living and traveling abroad, I would blog about my experiences. And for some reason or another, I would always tie it back to the workplace. Hmm. Something that I love doing. And my friends are like, why don't you start writing for publications? And I was like, I could never write for publications. Like who am i and i just got imposter syndrome and then i was like you know what i'm why not why not just try it out and i did and then you know i was an entrepreneur and like all these other ones and then Forbes was like, it was Forbes Europe and they reached out mm-hmm. and they're like, Hey, would you like to write for us um, regarding workplace culture? We just have a lack of it. And we'd really like your content in there. Awesome. And then when I did that Forbes Asia co-signed and then Forbes America, and that's, and then I got promoted and here I am.
1: (laughs) Very cool. That's so awesome. I'm like, I I totally get the imposter syndrome. I feel that often in many areas of my life, including hosting a podcast, by the way. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) But but sometimes you just got to get started, you know, and then you find out, oh, I do have something to say, something to to contribute to the world here. So good for you.
0: What was interesting is, you know, in terms of your question of the most recent article I posted, it's um, signs that your boss is a narcissist. And when you go to my Forbes column, I actually speak about topics that a lot of people don't talk about. And when I first posted my uh, workplace bullying article, Mm -hmm. it stemmed from me being bullied by my HR boss. And I just like poured Mm -hmm. my heart into my writing. It just went off. And then from there, I was like, wait, we need to be talking about this more. And then I was just like, what are all the things that I've experienced and what's going on in the workplace? And that's just, Mm. that's
1: where I got
0: my articles.
1: You know, (laughs) I think there's something that resonates when people just talk about some difficulty that they had or something that wasn't so pretty and wrapped up in a bow, right? Like, I think we're all just maybe a little fatigued of like, everything's great. We're great. Our culture's great. Our company's great. We're growing, you know? It's like- Don't you have problems you know like,
0: exactly you human? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that that is no surprise that that was probably very refreshing and and also just you know brave to share um, and not everybody would do that you you said in your fuller bio which I, I didn't read the entirety of course but uh, you know on the podcast here but I did personally you said, I'm passionate about helping companies create intentionally inclusive workplace cultures that break down barriers in this newly remote world. So I imagine you didn't just roll out of bed someday and decide you were suddenly passionate about this topic. So tell us about your journey of becoming engaged in workplace culture and then especially on creating an inclusive environment.
0: Yeah. So it was definitely a journey and it started back. I don't know if this is still a thing, but it was take your child to work day and Mm -hmm. it happened in elementary school. And so my grandmother took me to her job. She was at Mack trucks, but she was in finance. And as any grandma, they want to show off their grandchild. Right. And I remember she took me to the HR department and they had these like toys on their desk like fuzzy little things and I was like oh my god I want to hang out with them I started talking to them in my little elementary school mind I got this idea of what I thought HR was so I already knew this is what I'm going to do with my life I'm going to go into HR I'm going to make everybody happy and excited to come to work again right it's clearly yeah right and um (laughs) so fast forward I was in college and I did my first internship And it was not at all what I thought it would be like the, it was a very reputable pharmaceutical company. And I went in and I was like, this culture is boring. Like what is going on here? So, (laughs) you know, from there, I actually went to my internship manager at the company and I made recommendations of things that I'd like to do regarding culture. And that was when it first hit me. I was like, how is it so like just boring and dull Mm -hmm. here? There's no personality. How does anybody feel excited and I just felt like I was losing this idea in my head. And then I just, I loved it from there. I was like, you know, we have to figure out ways to, you know, make it more intentional. You can't just, you know, look at your competitors or other companies and see what they're doing. You right. have to get to know your people, figure out what they want, what they like. And you also have to be mindful of the language you're using, the clients you're associating with and advocating for the social causes as well. And that's how you build an intentional culture. And it wasn't, you know, overnight, it was definitely a journey.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Very few people can look back all the way to elementary school and say, I knew my calling at that point. (laughs) How cool. That's great. And great for your grandma to have been (laughs) such an important part of your story and your career, right? As well as, of course, just your life, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'd love to hear more about, you know, you, you've been in HR, you've worked for you to several companies, you can look on LinkedIn and sort of see all of that. But now you're, you're, you're really a culture consultant and a leadership coach as well. But I want to touch on that culture consultant role. Mm-hmm. Who is the point of contact for you? Is it HR leaders? Is it executives that you work with most? How do you sort of come, up, come across your clients?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. It's typically CEOs and founders that will reach out to me and either they don't have an HR department or they have someone in the HR role, but they need more mentorship or someone to come in that's more high level. And that HR person is typically more in the weeds, of like the admin stuff that they can't pay attention to that. So that's how they bring me in. Mm -hmm. And basically what I do is I always start off with the culture audit is I I look at what their overall culture is, I take a step back, right? And I'm like, okay, well, what are they currently doing? Where are the gaps? What is communication like? How frequent is it? What is the manager-employee relationship? What is the CEO, uh, leadership, CEO, all the staff relationship? And I just start looking at those things and observing. And then from there, I make recommendations Mm. in my culture audit of, these are the gaps. These are the recommendations you could do to improve and strengthen your culture. And I always let them know that this is never an overnight fix and it's consistent. You cannot just design a culture and it's a once and done thing. You need to be hands-on with it. And then Mm -hmm. from that point, typically they bring me in for consulting to help them implement it and coaching them of like how they can maintain it.
1: Awesome. Do you think that people are bringing you in because they sense things are not going well or maybe, or more so by companies that have a healthy culture, but they want like an extra set of eyes and just make sure they don't have blind spots. Like is it, is a little bit of both. I'm just curious.
0: Mainly it's because they're not happy about the culture and it's toxic. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What are, what are some of the like big I don't know. I don't want to like put you on the spot of like the big two or the big three, but like, what are those toxic things that happen? Is it, is it like one leader a lot of times that you're just like, nobody wants to like be the one to say, Hey, you got to go. Or like, what, what does it boil down to most often when there's toxicity in the culture?
0: Hands down communication. Mm. And that comes in various different forms. So maybe it's a manager who isn't, approachable or okay. isn't present for their people, or they don't recognize and engage their employees and they're just shouting orders at them mm-hmm. or only giving criticism, never appreciating their efforts. Right. Um, so it just like, it's always boils down to communication, I noticed, mm-hmm. and
1: yeah.
0: even their inability to take feedback.
1: Right. Yeah. Sounds like you could kind of boil all of that down to arrogance in a lot of ways. Right? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. You know, it's on a power
1: trip, it sounds like. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it, it's really neat that you have an opportunity to speak into that from the outside because it's really difficult within an organization. I mean, for a peer or even for the boss of a person like that to say, like, "Hey." I don't actually have a problem with your performance in terms of the job, like the task. I have a problem with how you treat people. And it's yeah. just like, that's, a, that's a hard thing to say to somebody. Yeah. You know? so how, how do you handle that being kind of this like objective third party that you're just like, Hey, like somebody's got to pull the band-aid off. Like, how do you, how do you go about that?
0: Yeah. That's where the coaching comes into play because yeah. a lot of people, they, they struggle in having that difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I walk them through how they can do it and we reframe it. So it doesn't sound like it's coming from me, but they can personalize it. And then what I do on my end um, is I walk them through the various different scenarios that can happen in that. And I, I also make them define what is their goal, Mm -hmm. right? So essentially you want to coach up or you want to coach out someone. And if someone is uncoachable, you're going to be coaching them out. They're not a right fit for the culture.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no way you can have, you know, uh, kind of peace in the organization. You can't have diversity. You can't have diversity of thought yeah. or any other type of diversity if there's people that just won't listen and won't learn. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, you know, but not surprising. It always just comes down to people. You know? It always comes down to relationships breaking down, you yeah. know? What do you see as people that want to improve their culture? Just think about these leaders, these executives. They want to improve their culture. I'd love to hear just as you talk to them, what do you see as their personal motivations for that? Like, what are their like kind of moral, ethical kind of that stuff? Like, what are those motivations? And then what are the and separately, what are the business motivations for improving and enhancing culture? Because it feels like those may not be. they're, They're probably aligned to an extent but they're not exactly the same.
0: Yeah. So trying to like separate them in my mind. Let's start with the business. Right, so you're going to get increased engagement from employees who are going to think more innovatively, who are going to show up better and happier for the clients or customers that you serve. They are going to create a better workplace environment because they're going to be more engaging, right. collaborative, open-minded, have better ideas, what does that lead to? An increased bottom line. And mm-hmm. then people are going to talk about their workplace because they love going to work and everyone talks about it, whether it's, you know, to their friends or right. family, wherever. And that's going to draw in candidates and they're going to be maybe promoting Voluntarily promoting that on their LinkedIn or their social media or a neat project they worked on right. or something they were recognized for. And when candidates, because candidates are doing this now, they are seeking out the business's reputation online, not only mm-hmm. just from Glassdoor, but I go down rabbit holes of people at the company. I go right to LinkedIn, I go to people, and I want to look what the CEO is saying, the CHRO, I want to see what the employees are saying at different departments. And if they're seeing that, that consistent positivity and excitement, they're most likely going to choose that company over another company that doesn't have a great culture, but may have a better pay. Right. Right. So That's the business side of things Mm. in terms of like the moral it's, you're having people that are happy and excited and they have this work life balance and they're trusted and you trust them and you have this strong relationship and you know, it's built on empathy and understanding. Yeah. And I think it's like a human, you know, we want to be respected and valued and appreciated Mm -hmm. by other humans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of that makes like a 1000% sense. And yet you have (laughs) so many companies with poor culture, so many companies who won't focus on it, right? Who are still just like, hey, it's a a transaction, you do your job, I pay you the end, right? Like, if it's so strategic, to focus on culture focus on people <laughs> invest in them then why do we still have so many companies who won't do it like just in your work with leaders what is the blocker what
0: i have noticed is the blocker is the person at the top they don't want mm. to they don't want to hear the negative feedback they don't want to make the change and mm. they want like I've been hired to come into a workplace culture and I did all this work and I I built trust with, it was a small team. I built trust with the people. I got their feedback and I shared it with the owner of the company. And I was like, listen, like, I want to work with you on this. This is what we need to do. And he kept avoiding me and avoiding me I was like, Uh, "Huh? okay. And then, you know, I was like, we need to have this conversation. You paid me to come (laughs) do this for you. And like, I don't want to just be paid for nothing. I want to be paid because my name's tied to this and right. i want to come in and make the impact that I know that I could make. So let's do this sure. together. And he just flipped his lid. He didn't want to do it. He thought that I was trying wow. to control his company and take it away from him. And I learned very quickly that, Jeez. you know, when someone builds their company from the ground up, they have this sense of control over it and I get it. Yes. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. But at some point you have to let go. You have to right. let go if you want to grow and that is a problem that I encounter. I mm. have encountered. I I'm, I got very specific about who I work with right. Um, now. Right, you're yeah. targeting
1: more specifically. But yeah. it's <laughs>
0: people, like, they know that they want to make the change, but they don't want to do the hard work that is required of mm. them to make that change.
1: Right. Probably because it makes them look bad, yeah. right? Like, you have to admit that you didn't do everything perfectly, and that's how you got yeah. here in order to actually make a change, yes. right? So that that's going in the show notes. You've got to let go in order to grow. Like that's you know it rhymes. It's that's the LinkedIn post. It's it's locked down at this point. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so you really get to see like the kind of the emotional life of these leaders and like what their business means to them and whether or not they can listen and and so forth. One thing that concerns me just as a leader. I'm the CEO of, of a company and we don't need to get into that, but I'm concerned that because of my role, I only hear the good stuff, wow. right? That when I ask employees like, hey, how'd your first week go or your first month or like, How have you been? And they're like, oh, it's great. I love working here. And I'm <laughs> like, do you? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not saying they're lying, but I could understand yeah. the temptation to not tell the CEO like, well, actually, my boss is a jerk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so how how do I go about knowing and understanding what's really going on beneath the surface and giving permission for honest feedback?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question because there was a company that I worked with, very similar situation. He genuinely cared. He reached out all the time, but he knew that everybody was sugarcoating it, right? He knew <laughs> right. He knew it. He's like, but I can't yeah. fix anything unless you actually tell me. So I was right. like, you know, this actually requires building trust. And it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's because of your title in the company. Right. And they right. know that ultimately maybe past experience or what they've seen from other companies, if they see something negative, it could make them lose their job. Mm. So that's where they get yeah. nervous. And in terms of building trust, I think ultimately what you can do is have those direct managers really build that strong relationship uh, through one-on-ones and casual conversation. Right. And then be honest with you about it. And then maybe you say, Hey, you know what? I don't, I know your company um, is growing. Right. But I think it's still manageable at this point where you can have one-on-ones with people and get to know them or have Q and A's at a town hall, like ask the CEO, anything or whatever the case is, and then start to build trust and recognize Obviously it's going to take a while right maybe like at least 6 months yeah. for them to like start seeing okay you know what Jordan is serious about this there's not going to be any repercussions i can be honest right.
1: yeah i it's a good point that you bring up and i'm sure a lot of leaders probably feel like well what have i done to not garner trust but to to your point it's it's about their experiences in their last organization and the one before that and the one before that because we have a culture, right, just a workplace culture, at least in our country, that there isn't a broad kind of permission for feedback, especially negative feedback, right? And so, you're fighting against the experience that they've had outside of your organization. It's not that you necessarily drop the ball anywhere along the way, although I'm sure, you know, we do. But, yeah, that's super helpful for me and hopefully for, for folks listening as well. Speaking of, kind of blind spots and just like not knowing or not being sure that you know what's going on, what are some like big blind spots here in like middle of June, 2021, given all that's gone on the last couple of years and so forth, like what are the blind spots that you see that leaders have and like where do leaders need to educate themselves to really build, you know, that inclusive workplace culture that you Are so passionate.
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost it's self awareness. There's a lot going on right now, and if we think about even it's Pride Month, right? We have the I'm going to butcher this, and it's not intentionally. It's the LGBTQIA plus community. I think I said that right, and it's you know being aware of the gender pronouns pronouns that people prefer. How can you Uh integrate that into your recruiting process? um, Maybe like demonstrating it in your culture. To me, I think the biggest blind spot is a company will put out a LinkedIn or social media post, or they'll say, Hey, we're about this, but they don't live it out. And I see that across so many companies. And it's Mm. very bothersome to me, because I think if you are not living that out, what else are you not living out internally? Because you're talking mm. the talk, but you're not walking the walk, and that's really important right. to me and to other yeah. people as well. I right. think also self awareness is leaders the higher they get within a company, it seems like they only value the feedback from their direct leadership team, and then anything below wow. that, it's like, oh well. You know, you're just, you're not paid as much as the leader is. So I'm going to disregard that. And I see that too often. So you
1: can't possibly have a good opinion because yeah. you don't make enough yeah, money. Yeah,
0: I see that too <laughs> right. often. And I'm like, right. those are your assets, right? Like those are the ones meeting with your clients. Those are the ones producing the work. They're right. actually doing the hands-on work, Right. Everyone has such a valuable role at the organization. And I think to overlook the feedback that employees have to give, even if it's negative, we shouldn't be viewing that as an attack, but as a way to improve. And I think uh-huh. it's it's just that self-awareness that my culture isn't perfect. It'll never be perfect because It is always evolving. And by the time we get a handle on it, a new generation of workers are coming in or something (laughs) else is happening and it's going to, you know, turn it upside down again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think what you point out about, I I wrote down my note was feedback hierarchy, you know, like we assume that this person's feedback is more valuable than that person's feedback or their ideas. Mm -hmm. And the way we describe it in our company is that You're you're not above anything, and you're not below anything. That that like, hey, if if somebody needs to pick up trash, I got it, right? And if like the intern in their first week has a good idea, I'm listening. Good, yeah. Because they're they're not below anything, right? And I think it's just a it's just a matter of dignity and respect to other human beings, and forget. Titles and what people are paid and their tenure and all of that. These are people.
0: Exactly. Right? We, exactly. We forget and that. we're seeing yeah. these this new generation of workers come in and they mm-hmm. grew up with technology. They grew up right. teaching themselves all these different things. Things have changed yeah. dramatically and they're on top right. of the trends while someone maybe in leadership may not be as on top of the trend, but disregarding something that could push a company forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. I mean, I'm, I'm only 35, which I feel like in the business world is not old, but, but yet I have a lot of employees that I learn things from daily because it's just a different perspective, a different, you know, knowledge set and experience really isn't the only teacher, right? Like it is a teacher and wisdom can come with it. But, you know, I think we're I think there's this mentality of like, oh, experience equals I know better. And with the pace of change in the world these days, it, it actually can be a weakness. Yep. Right? Yep. Where you're like, you, you you did know better 10 years ago. <laughs> right? But now you exactly. don't. Right?
0: Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I, I'm learning, trying to trying to keep my ears open and just have the humility to say, hey, like I got a lot to learn here and 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 my people have a lot to teach, you yeah. know. So that that's really that's really helpful context for kind of what you're learning and what I can learn from what you're learning, and hopefully our listeners can as well. With remote work, I'm curious about that. I mean, obviously culture. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. In my opinion, (laughs) culture is easier to build around a table, right? Sitting at a coffee shop, having a beer together, having a team softball league, whatever. (laughs) Like, it's just, you know, like you you build memories and you build shared experiences. And and we're moving away from that. And like, that's okay. Like, that's just the way the world's going. And we're going to have to roll with it how do you feel like culture is going to be built over the next five years as we are entering this hybrid world and some of us will see each other and others will not. And, you know, I don't even have to describe the challenges to you because you know them, but what do you think it's going to be like? What are some things that you can maybe share with some leadership to, to bear in mind as they try to continue to build and enhance their culture through the, whatever is ahead of us.
0: I think first and foremost, what anybody should do, and it's never too late to do this, is to conduct your own culture audit. You don't, I mean, Mm. obviously, you know, you can hire someone like me to do that, but you can do that yourself. And you can do that by setting up 30-minute one-on-ones with your employees and asking a series of questions. What would you like to see in the culture? What are some team-building activities that you'd like to see? What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? What should we continue? Things like that. Get a sense of a one-on-one, what they want to do. And I always create the spreadsheet and I document everything and then I go through and I assess everything and I assess the patterns, right? Right. I think first and foremost is taking the time to get to know your people on a one-on-one basis, and then having those one-on-ones consistently. I'm not saying you have to meet with them at, like, you know, every single week. As a manager, you should right. be meeting more consistently. But as an right. overall culture, maybe it's the HR person that's going to be doing this. You want to meet, like, you know, just checking with them on Slack or set up a Zoom call or something like that. I think that's going to be first and foremost is you need to get to know people one-on-one in order to shape your culture. And then that starts to build trust because you're going to start to implement things slowly. And they're seeing that you're putting their feedback into action. So they're going to be eager to come to you with more things or to help audit what you've currently done, right? Right people would always do that to me and i'm like great you're helping me build this culture i am not here to come in and build it i'm here to partner with you to build this culture like this is exactly what right. i do so i love it so, so yeah like do that i think that's important is communication has to be more mindful and you mm-hmm. mentioned about the hierarchy of feedback is we should always be seeking feedback as much as we're giving feedback and we should be actively Mm -hmm. recognizing our employees and doing mental health check-ins. So if someone Mm -hmm. is not performing as they normally would, instead of assume the worst and think that they're out to sabotage the company or they're doing this, doing that, take a step back and realize maybe they're going through something personally. Why don't you do a mental health Mm check-in? And that was always important to me, you know, when I was in a company, even now, like with the team, I always check in, like reach out to me at any time, talk to me, because if I know what they're going through, then I can be more flexible and figure out how I could rework their workload or assist them provide that support that they need. So I think it's really just humanizing the connection between Mm -hmm. everyone.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, it's, but the very first line in our like mission, vision, values document in my company is we are humans, not resources. Yes. You know? and, and, and I think it's like, I don't know how we forget that when we get into like corporate mode and we're just like, there's a hierarchy and there are tasks and there are bosses and there are peers and employees. Yes. And it's just like this machine and machines can be useful because they produce, right. But like they can be destructive as well Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and not have a whole lot of longevity if they're not maintained. And I love your point of view and like your, the simplicity of these conversations that you have with leaders and it boils down to things like ego and things like arrogance <laughs> and things like a lack of listening. It's, it's not fancy, workplace change management, blah, blah, blah. It's just people not listening to other <laughs> <Exactly>. people <laughs> and, and being kind and respectful. Like it's it's something that you could teach a child really yeah. if, if they'll listen. Yeah. Right. But so I, I love it. Something real practical just to like kind of sign off on. I, I'd love to hear one of your favorite culture building, team building activities that you've ever done or even <laughs> thought of um just selfishly for me and for anyone else yeah. listening
0: so okay when i i no longer work with notice but this was such a hit that other companies started asking about so okay. when i first started at notice what i did is i created a google forms and my thing was is i want to create trivia but i wanted to be employee uh, an employee-based trivia What I mean by that is everyone was sent this form, and I was the only holder of all the responses, and I asked various questions, and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m., I would put out, this noticed employee, blah, 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 whatever the answer was, Right? who is it? And Um, everyone... Like, I would look at people's calendars. People would move calls just to attend this, like, 3 p.m. Slack trivia. And it just, like, grew. And to the point where people were like, do you think I can host next month's trivia and, like, put together (laughs) questions? And I was like, absolutely. I want to participate. And what we started doing, actually... Fun fact is they would get $25 at the end of the month and we would deposit that into their fringe account. So it was so fun because people were like, oh, great, free Netflix or free gym pass or Swerkin or something, right? So it was so fun. Everyone loved it. And it created such a conversation because even one of the employees did a month of like AOL screen names. What was your first screen name? What was your MySpace song? (laughs) Things like that, right? And we just got into like hour-long discussions. So it was so fun. (laughs) I loved it so much. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: I am 100% stealing that. Yes, do it. (laughs) That is brilliant. I love it. And yeah, that's that's so so cool. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. I love I love your enthusiasm. I love that this journey started in <laughs> elementary school for you, right? Because of fuzzy, fun things on someone's desk. And you know, there's just a there's just a brightness that that you bring to the table that I think. We all need to remember to bring to our workplaces, yeah. and there, there's just a joy that I think is is very much needed. That is not about task and not about the bottom line, but just about caring about yeah. each other. And you know that that's really why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place was to have these types of conversations where people could talk about the impact of culture and not talk about business strategy and what book they just read and like all. And not that that stuff's not important, but like you want to hire the right people, keep them, impact their lives. You just got to love on them. Like there's really no replacement yep, for exactly. that.
0: Exactly.
1: So thank you so much for your perspective and insights. Is I really valuable. Wow,
0: it. Thank you so much for having me again, Jordan.
1: Yeah, this was fun. We'll have to have you back sometime. Of course. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. This has been Bragworthy Culture. And again, this was Heidi Lynn Kurter. Uh, If you want to check her out on LinkedIn, please do reach out. I think she's probably very, very active on there and happy (laughs) to speak with you. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.